Hello and welcome to episode 259 of the Random Nintendo Podcast. I'm Kevin. I'm Angel. This is the wrong show. And today we're going to go over the bombshell announcement that is the Nintendo Switch OLED reveal. Plus other news like Jason has Sky, a, a little free-to-play game from that game company. Uh, what else do we have on top? Yeah, that um, game company? I yeah. haven't played anything, but I think he's also played a game called Fuser. So he'll this is the wrong that. show. What do you mean this is the wrong show? Are you sure? This is the wrong show. Hold on. We shut the cal- calendar. The oh, this is the Random Nintendo Podcast, episode 27 <laughs> for July 11th. I'm your host, Kevin, and to my virtual left, we have Jason. This is the right show. And to my virtual right, we have Angel. That's me again. Yep, my apologies. I had the podcast dates mixed up. Uh, but don't worry, guys. Been, All that uh, stuff is coming. Just you wait. It's been about a month since uh, the last QC or Arnon, Ranon. What else What else do we call this podcast? Off-pod. Uh, off I think Arnon, pretty much. Arnon. I don't know why we, do we put the we R. Wait, we, Arnin for legit question. Why? Why when we talk amongst ourselves do we need to specify the R? We all know what we're talking about. Why is it not just Nin and uh, Non? Because one was always called Rn. It's not like we just say N. And we can't True, just call but now we can't as well. But so right, to... but we could do Nin Non. Nin Non. Nin and Non. Nin and Non. We don't need the R. Is this, a, is this a Nin? A thumb is this a Nin press. week? Is this a Non week? Does it? Yeah, at least when we plan internally. Although I guess that means is it a non week? Does that mean the week doesn't have one? Then Planning has really never been our strong suit. No, yeah, it hasn't. We all know we don't have any non weeks. Yeah, no, that's not true. We didn't have to Kevin's point an R non. We weeks have non nin weeks. We we don't have any non nin weeks. There you go. I feel like we live in a Doctor Seuss book now with all the nins and nons, and it feels like we're start rhyming or something. It's a nin week. It's a non week. It's a red week. Nin weeks definitely can't be non weeks, but I guess sometimes a non week can be a nin week if some of the non topics can be on nin stuff. But yes, totally revolving around (laughs) nin. I I blanked out for a second there because when Angel said, "I guess we don't have any non weeks," I just remember that picture of Mister Burns pointing to the sign. Don't forget, you're here forever. We're here forever. Kind of how it is. Never have your blog posts for QC and Arnon been more applicable. Jason made us have yeah, a contract exactly. in blood. Actually, yeah. If, if no one has gone to – because we're on your podcast app. We always say that at the end of every episode. We're on every app. But if you guys haven't like gone to randomtown.com and read the descriptions for QC and now Arnon, like Kevin has told a deep, moving, relatively short per blog post story that arcs the entire length of this non – and QC life. So, like, go check it out if you haven't. It, it really paints me and Round Nintendo in a horrible light. But it's good. Uh, no, technically, you aren't <laughs> part of, of our uh Oh, I assumed I was just because I'm no, a no, power no. hog. Oh, great. So, I'm not in a horrible light. Cool. You're then, like, yeah, uh, more reason to read it. You're like, what's his name? Uh, Gabe, I think, from uh, Silicon Valley. You're kind of like I'm Gabe. Uh, okay. I'll be Gabe. Yeah, you're, you're like sure. the Gabe. You're like the liaison. Yeah. But you're still terrible, you know that that kind of thing. Thanks. Yeah, I'll take that over also running the gulag. So. Yeah, exactly. Which, if you read the blog post, you'll get that reference. Oh yeah, um, we were stuck in the gulag for a couple of months. Yeah, yeah, pretty. During the cold pandemic winter months, yeah. Yeah, go cool, cool. So, uh, I guess this this is gonna be the shortest intro to uh, topics that 
I think we've recovered. Unless you guys want to talk about something. Angel, I know you just went to Universal. Yeah, kind of out of nowhere, too. We were literally just, you know, going to, you know, take um, take the mother out as a family. Just take somewhere. Like, I think we have, initially we were just going to, we were going to go, oh, we were just going to go hiking. But then, um, I guess as things started opening up, my sisters are like, hey, let's go to Universal. When was the last time we took my mom to Universal? If anything, the last time we went with her was probably when she took us, like, as, like, younglings, like, guessing around 10 years old, 10, 12, 13, maybe younger. So, like, my brother, like, the last thing he was able to get on was, like, E.T. and Back to the Future, which have long gone, have been long since gone. So, this was pretty much, like, a new park for him. There was no Harry Potter world. Um, There was, I mean... Simpsons? I, I guess that's would... well, well, that's what replaced Back to the Future. Right, um, right, right. Jurassic Park was still Jurassic Park and not oh, the damn, Jurassic he World Back ride. To the too. Yeah, that was a really cool ride, but it unfortunately had to go. And it was really fun. I mean, I, for better or worse, eh, I guess I won't say for worse, but like I've pretty much been going to Universal at least once every two years. Usually, sometimes, I don't know, we did random, I don't remember why we went one time randomly during Father's Day, I think we just had an open weekend and we're like, eh, let's just go check out Simpsons World. Oh, because they had the, I guess here in California, they usually have every summer or at some point, like a buy a day, get a year free. I don't know if they still do that, but it's, I feel like that was a very consistent thing. And usually we would jump on that deal and that's usually why we usually just end up going a lot. Or I would be the, the tour guide, so to speak, whenever family from mexico would come over like i would be the one that chaperoned them around universal and my sister would do the same for disneyland so that we could have some time to rest but um that being said yeah it's still a fun park you could we did everything like literally everything in we got there let's see i think we got there like at 9 30 and we left like at six and the only two things we did everything but um the minions ride and the DreamWorks Theater, which used to be the, the Shrek 3D show. And the Minion thing also being another, you know, sit in a theater with 3D glasses show. And there's also a new Life of Pets ride that you can't make a line in physically. You have to make a virtual line. We also miss that. But, oh, and I guess also Mummy, but that was also by choice. It's because we've gone on that ride so many times. And we, it's a fun ride, but anything more than like 20 minutes is not worth it waiting time that is because it's incredibly short for a coaster it doesn't really have a lot of drop it's, it's pretty much like a half as great as space mountain so because it's incredibly comparable to space mountain they're both in a dark room you see like glow-in-the-dark neon mummies and then at some point you just ride the ride backwards but it's over before you know it and on average, the line was like 30 to 70 minutes long. No, 60 to 70 minutes long, which is definitely not worth it. But, you know, first thing we did was get on Transformers. I usually make it a habit to go all the way to the lower floor first because it just takes forever to get there because there's a lot of escalators you have to take. And we were able to get in the Transformers ride like within 15 minutes because usually that ride also becomes like an hour and a half long wait before long. And that ride is still really cool. Unfortunately, some of the screens are starting to feel a little dated in the sense that they're just kind of blurry. 
Like, or they just need to be lit more. Some screens look better than others, but you could tell, like, they're still running the exact same. Like, they haven't really, I guess, upped it in any way. It, the technology is starting to just feel a little dated. But 3D effects are still really cool. You still get that sense of motion compared to other, I guess, screen 3D rides. Because this one is actually on a track that moves around while you're wearing the glasses. So, you know, you get cityscapes, you get a bunch of crazy other effects, and... I don't know. It's definitely a nice evolution of the Back to the Future ride. Because that one, you know, had the car that, like, rises up, and then it's just moving, shaking back and forth. Pretty much exactly what the Simpsons ride does, because it's built on the same place. I mean, that's kind of what a lot of Universal's rides are. With the exception of Jurassic Park and uh, The Secret Life of Petzl, which I know what that one's like. They're all pretty much sit in a room and watch a screen and to simulate being on a crazy roller coaster. Which, you know, is really effective in terms of space, but you're not really going to get... They start to feel samey after a while. Like, you just kind of get tired and you're like, alright, I'm kind of ready for something else. Even though the rides themselves can be really cool. Like, I mean, the Simpsons ride just does a great job of making you feel like you're flying all over the place. Going down, like, a death drop that's, like, coming from space. But, you know, you can only sit down and watch a screen for so long before it kind of loses a little bit of its luster. Which is kind of why, you know, it's nice to jump from Transformers to Jurassic Park to the studio tour, which... They have a Fast and Furious right now, don't they? Yeah, like, besides the Fast and Furious, they've up since updated a while ago, you know, the King Kong section to the Peter Jackson King Kong 360 3D. And, but that was, I think, because there was a fire that literally destroyed the giant King Kong, like animatronic, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, but it's you know, also it's kind a, of ironic because the whole set pieces there's a fire, but then the fire became real. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. And it, it's really cool. Like, I mean, I've obviously done the studio tour many times already, so I've seen the 360 3D and the Fast and Furious thing. And I will say that, like, in the queue, whenever the Fast and Furious people pop up, like, here's a trailer for Fast 9. And they're like, oh, now you're about to embark on the musty thing of Universal Studios. It's like the best thing in the world. Like, you help us save the world, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, I mean, it's over-the-top and ridiculous. I mean, the first time you jump into these things, it's really cool just being like, whoa, it's like we're on the streets, or it's like we're driving through the jungle, and T-Rexes are fighting all around us. But after you've done it a couple times more... Um, Wait, in I guess the Fast and Furious ride? Well, Fast well, and Furious, part, Kevin, is the... inside the studio tour for... Like, yeah, Hollywood so pretty much... Oh, they have okay, the the tour. ride down in Florida. I was, I was about to yeah. say that. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I mean, like, at the rate Fast is going, yes, one of them, they're going to be fighting dinosaurs. They're running out of ideas. They got well, it. yeah, Universal exec has gone on record as saying he, he wants a Jurassic World and Fast and Furious crossover. Which is oh silly as Which that sounds. Which means that I this... want a Fast and Furious and Jurassic <laughs> World crossover. I, I was about right? to say, so as that sounds right up there with when they wanted to merge Jump Street and Men in Black. Like, I would watch it. How did Jonah Hill – remember that leaked email from the Sony leak where Jonah Hill's like, how did he describe – the Men in Black Jump Street crossover, like, because they pitched him it, and he was like, "Oh, that's cool and poignant and powerful, or something." That's how I feel about Fast and Jurassic as well. Yes, cool poignant. and poignant. I don't know powerful. about poignant, but. <laughs> oh, sorry, oh, Andrew, yeah. continue. Yeah, sorry, Angel. But essentially, yeah, after you read them a few times, you start to kind of wish the screens were just better resolution, or just like things looked a little clearer. Like, I don't know. I mean, it feels like the technology is there now, but I don't know. I mean, I guess. I well, Angel really does. Seen... Does Harry Potter, to the same extent, use screens? I thought that was a little more, like, physical. Right? Oh, yeah, I'll get to that one right now. But, oh, okay. 
Because the yeah, Super Nintendo Tours. World, obviously, to put yeah. a little Arnon and Arnon, uh, that too is more physical, from my understanding. Yeah, yeah, that one seems to be more comparable to the Transformers one, but actually even less so. It's probably more comparable to the Harry Potter one. But, um, but yeah, Fast and Furious section, it's kind of interesting. I mean, you see, like, freaking Vin Diesel hanging off of a helicopter while talking to you kind of casually. Just, like, about flying family, around. Right, talking about family. But, um... Yeah, long, a lot of places. Um, it really is kind of cool just seeing the entrance to Nintendo, Super Nintendo World, right next to the Transformer section. Like you can see, like the wireframe of the pipe that would be the entrance as you're coming down, and you could just stand right in front of it. And they just have a giant, you know, wall that just says Super Nintendo World coming soon. But yeah, the only other new areas, well, you know, it's the Harry Potter area. The butterbeer does taste really good, as they say it does. If I guess if you're not really into something super sweet, then it probably won't be for you. But kind of caramelly i thought it was going to be more like vanilla soda but or cream soda ish but still really good you can actually add alcohol into it right yeah if you go to one of the bars in um in harry potter little harry potter town um there's a (laughs) there's a place where you could ask for a shot of rum on it and they will do it wait is it is it actually carbonated is it like a soda basically like a cream soda but caramel Kind of, yeah. It's kind of weird to describe, huh. but yeah, it is kind of like a soda, kind of a little thicker. It's kind of weird. Interesting. But it's good. Definitely, it's definitely worth tasting once. But dang, yeah, if you get into that Harry Potter line, you kind of have to decide whether. I mean, if you're a bigger Harry Potter fan, I would definitely suggest making that the first ride you get on because the line for that one gets really long. Like the queue for it, you're like outside zigzagging for like forever. I think when we got on, it was like an hour wait. And we were outside for what felt like forever. You know, it was like maybe 30, 40 minutes. And then when you get inside the castle, you have like a moment to like store your backpack in a locker. And I guess during that time, if you're quick enough, you could essentially skip a bunch of people because, you know, the line just kind of dissipates there. And it's just a matter of as soon as you're done, just get back into the line. And then you're just zigzagging through corridors of Hogwarts, which are really well done. Like as far as like ambiance, like it's really great. And the ride itself, I mean, it's also just really fun. I mean, you're pretty much sitting, like, on a... I guess it's very comparable to Haunted Mansion. Like, everything's, like... It starts on a track. You sit on, like... You sit in groups of four. And then you just, like, fasten, like, your harness. And, yeah, the thing will rotate in every which way. There's a couple screens that are supposed to simulate you flying all over Hogwarts. But there are a couple other sections where you're just, you know, moving through a spooky haunted house, (laughs) basically, with a big budget. (laughs) So it's definitely like a mixture of both. So yeah, it kind of is kind of like the Transformers one, I guess. Just all the a little Hogwarts more Express? analog than anything. Isn't there like a one where you're on the Hogwarts Ex- Express or something, or is that only in Florida? That must be only in Florida because uh, here in California we just have this one where I guess you're on brooms, or I'm not really sure what you're supposed to be on. Uh, but you're just following Harry, who's on a broom. <laughs> and... Well, that, that's some good world building. We're on something i couldn't tell you what even though i did it but we're on something <laughs> like good yeah, job you're, universal. Just, you're, you're just in chairs <laughs> you're in a you're in a harness yeah a broom chariot and yeah, there's, uh, that one, there's another right called the, like the rides at universal they're all like nothing nothing is really a coaster right like nothing does a loop nothing ever does a loop the closest you can get is just the mummy ride and the other harry potter one i think it's called like ride of the hippogriff or something along those lines that one's just like a a smaller scale coaster. You should, you know, that's like a starter coaster. That's, that's what I was like, thinking of. That's what I was gotcha, thinking of. Gotcha. That's, that's kind of like for, I would say, 
for younger people that aren't as experienced as coasters, that's like a really good one. But normally it's like one of those that you just kind of ignore. Oh, um, they do so have a Hogwarts the, train there. It's, but. it's the riding Yoshis of Harry Potter, like what Nintendo World has. It sounds like. Yeah, just a little more intense. It's definitely not like that. Oh, okay. That one definitely okay. seems like a... Just and you bet I'm going to ride those. That one's leisurely. Man. Like that one, you're just like, you're on like a Pokemon Snap Safari just without Pokemon. Like it's that slow from what I gathered. Hmm. Exactly. But, you know, Universal's cool. Funny merchandise. They still sell a lot of E.T. stuff. Definitely makes me miss the E.T. ride. Even though there's like no reference to E.T. The only reference you get to Back to the Future is really just um, Doc Brown's skit in the Simpsons ride, cute line cue, where I guess he's about to like sign a contract with Universal to like extend his lease in that area for a lot longer. But I guess Professor Spring goes back in time to save the Back to the Future ride, but ends up causing it. You know, causing him to lose it to Krusty, which is why I guess they have Krusty World there. Or that's their canonical explanation. Well, corporate synergy. That that... There we go. Yeah. yeah, that's some that's some solid meta <laughs> referencing right there. Don't think that that was weird. Like, actually, I don't even know if either of you two know this, or if this is just like a known thing. But you know, Disney owns Simpsons. I doesn't seem like something Disney would ever put in a Disneyland, like you know, a Simpsons World, or like try to move that there, or like. Do we know if it's like a kind of contract thing where it's like, oh, they it's are allowed to have the thing. Simpsons world for like 10 more years. But as soon as that license is over, yeah, Disney's taking it back and they're probably going to add it to California Adventure, which I, feels like the place where they would put it. That's actually a really good question. I'm not sure. I know they ran to a similar problem where Knotts or Six Flags, not Knotts, Six Flags has licensed, you know, a bunch of Marvel characters for roller coasters and for like characters. Yeah, there's a in their Marvel parks. park over there from Universal. Yeah, and I think they're still there. So I think I. I well, there I was don't a Spider Man stage really show in Universal. Yeah, there's a Spider Man stage show. Yeah, they, they take yeah. that away. So it's. Like they can't have everything. It's weird as. It's like a weird content on like the corporate, like America right now where everything's becoming these like super mega companies and everyone's snatching up everything else. Because before everyone. You know, carved out their own little niche and had their own brands that they licensed to various people. But now it's all just like three companies. Because I mean, Universal's Comcast, who owns NBC and a bunch of other stuff. So like, it, they're they're not Disney size, but they're very close. So like, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know what the contracts look like. To your question, but I wouldn't be surprised if over time they start phasing out, whether contractually or by choice, some of the quieter parts of the park that may use properties that aren't theirs. Like I don't know where Simpsons would go because that's pretty popular, and then phase huh? in like. I don't know, NBC Comedy Thursday Land or something. It's like, look, you're in like the Superstore from Superstore. And now you're in, you're, you're in, um, you know, Pawnee, Indiana or like something dumb like that because they want to do that corporate synergy. Yeah. I so. mean, as nicely, I don't know, as nicely said as Nintendo World looks, I kind of wish it had like more room to breathe. So, yeah. So they just keep expanding it, but yeah. Well, there is That's a phase point. two rumored. So, Donkey Kong. Happy 40th Donkey Kong a couple days ago. He turned 40. But yeah, there is um there is plans for a phase two, at least in the Japanese and Florida ones. Ah. Uh, well, yeah. If you're in the air. Oh, yeah. I think Universal is like 129 bucks for a day. So definitely. It feels pricey. $129? I like, yeah, I think. I want to say it used to be under 100 for a day. It did. It did. How much does uh, uh, Disneyland cost for a day? I think with a park hopper, question. it's like over 150. I think it's like one seventy five now or something. Yeah, but okay. you get but you get to go to both to both parks though. But it is just yeah. one day. Which means you're obviously not gonna see everything in both. And with the way things are like you know, lining up, 
uh, no pun intended. Uh, it seems like you barely have any chance to go to a lot. Oh, of how was the anyway. crowd? Very packed. Half are wearing masks. Half are wearing not masks. Um, it, it was just like a normal day at the theme like park. thongs on their on their face. Or... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> masks, yeah. It was like fifty percent maskless and with masks. All the employees were wearing masks, and there were a lot of um, hand sanitizer dispensers all over the place, but. Only about like half of them actually had anything. Um, See, that's something to commend Disney when I was there. I think I mentioned it on the show, but they had hand sanitizers everywhere, and they were all always full. I don't know what Mickey Mouse Fantasia sorcery they were doing. Someone that's literally just looking at like doing laps, like constantly. Because yeah, there was never one that was low. There was never one. They had different like squirt speeds, so to speak. Like they weren't all the same dispenser, but like they all. You were always in arm's reach of hand sanitizer, which was kind of insane to think about the logistics of. Yeah, yeah it seems like it, it, in many ways, in many weird ways, the fact that Universal only had half their sanitizer full almost feels like the perfect commentary on the difference between Disneyland and Universal. Well, I'm and sure it's, it's definitely also little logistical issues, issues, you know. Yeah, 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 no, I know. I'm being a little facetious, but... but... But it's chill. I mean, I don't think I like it more than Disneyland, but it definitely has some things, you know, it has some stuff I really like there. Um, only thing that I thought was just like this interesting or didn't go like, huh? Um, I think a week and a half ago, or maybe last, I think it was two weeks ago. I don't remember, but I went to a place called Frankenstein's, which to those of you not in the Los Angeles area, or I guess wherever Frankenstein's are, it's just like a giant warehouse that's basically like the exhibition floor of any convention where you just have a bunch of booths with people selling litter, uh, just a bunch of random stuff, typically all in the nerd culture themed world you know you got your figures you got your cars you got your rare video games all that stuff and i was looking for a Soundwave figure that i had pre-ordered from big bad toy store online for like it was like 205 bucks because it's like a really high-end Soundwave figure that's modeled after the his appearance in the bumblebee movie you know super detailed super blah 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 it's a really cool looking figure and I was looking for one at Frankincense thinking, oh, if I see it for that price, I'll just buy it then and there so I don't have to wait for it to ship. And didn't find it there, but I did see it at Universal. I guess they actually have a section of like their gift shop where they actually have some high-end collectibles that I was kind of surprised to see there. But And I was like, oh, maybe I'll just get it now. But it was like 420 bucks. Oh, 420 Jeez. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I don't know how or why, like... All it would take, it, it's readily available. It's not like a rare thing to find. I just find it interesting that like they double the price like at an official licensed place where I could just get it for like half less than half of that, like in an online retailer. But because they are a hundred percent banking on not you buying it, but six year old little Timmy, shout out to little Timmy. I haven't dropped his name on the podcast in a long time, but he going, Mom, I want that, and her going, Well. They don't sell those out by us in Kansas and just buying it because they don't know better. Yeah, and like also foreign, uh, foreign yeah, visitors, foreign. you know, tourists yep. from other countries, I'm sure, look at that yeah, and it's... think that it's a steal without looking yeah. <laughs> more into it. It's literally mm -hmm. a, uh, a gift shop tourist trap. Yeah. 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 Uh, very scummy. Mm -hmm. Super scummy. Yeah, well, but they're all guilty of that. Port keychains because. Of course, they're going to make that reference. Your what keychains? <laughs> Bort. Bort. From that episode Bort. of The Simpsons where 
Bart was looking oh, for Oh, you're a talking Bart. about – I was like, who in Transformers is named Bort? Oh, no, no. It's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? There's probably a Transformers called Bort. I'm sure, yeah. There's probably a Bort and an Arnie or something for like some weird robot Bert and Ernie. Yeah. Well, cool. But, well, yeah, that's universal. Well, cool. Kevin, since well, you were asking about masks, have you found as you go back in the world that like – what's your experience been with – especially because you like are often at a stadium for people. Do Is, is mask use dropping? In what you're saying? Uh, almost entirely, with the exception of employees. Like whenever we have we have guests or fans, uh, nobody's wearing a mask. And, and you guys aren't mandating it, right? Nope, not until Which makes sense, uh, California says that right. hey, this Delta variant is spreading like crazy, so we gotta have everybody start wearing masks again. But. I really hope when they get up to the podium and make that announcement, if they have to make that announcement, which hopefully they don't, but I hope if they do make that announcement, they say it exactly how you just said. Well, it's spreading like crazy, guys. Like here Spreading we like go. crazy, guys. <laughs> Everybody wear your mask. Uh, yeah, I can I can see uh, – what's his name? Newsome just leaning in on the podium and Newsom being like, oh, well, guys, you're going to recall it. It's spreading like crazy. No, what, yeah, what, yeah. what can I do? He just like shrugs, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, but yeah, it's uh, the reason I ask is because I, um, yeah, I'm noticing it too as I'm out. I mean, to be honest, if I'm like in an outdoor mall or something, I'm not usually wearing one at this point. But um, there've been a couple instances. Like there's a store I went to, and then um, the Largo Comedy Club here in LA, where they do still require masks, which I thought was interesting. They don't even necessarily advertise it as such. For the case of like Largo, like you buy your ticket, you go, um, and then they're just like, "Cool, you're here. Um, put your mask on." Like they don't tell you in advance you need to bring your mask. They just hope everyone still has them, but better safe than sorry, I'd say. And for those who don't know what Largo is, that um, if you guys have paid any attention to Conan O'Brien's final couple weeks of shows, like where he smoked with Seth Rogen or where, you know, all that stuff, or Paul Rudd showed that uh, Mackamie clip the last time that went viral, all that stuff, that is Largo. It's a tiny theater here in LA for a comedy. Um, it's like an independent one. But uh, yeah, he, I was there for Conan, and then I was there actually last night. For Ben Schwartz, uh, he did an improv show with some friends, including Horatio Sands from SNL and the dude that played Pillboy on The Good Place, which was like John Ralphie and Pillboy in the same place at the same time was really like kind of a cool side character Avengers thing. Anyway, point being, um, yeah, they required masks, and it was just kind of interesting because I haven't seen anyone really do that anymore. So once you mentioned that, I was curious where your stadium stands. Uh, it's funny. I I went to hell on tuesday also known as the california dmv and <laughs> i forgot to take a mask with me but so i go to the dmv and i enter and like there's security all all around the place but like everybody's looking at me without my mask and i'm like okay i mean no, no one's saying hey you need a mask to be in here so i'm like oh okay they're 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 gonna be lax with their rules and if they asked me to put on the mask i, I probably would have left and either try to find them buy a mask or or ask for one you know but nobody asked me for one, yet I was still the only one in that goddamn office without a mask. I was the only person in there without a mask. I felt like such an ass. And, and like, no one was treating me any different. No one was looking at me weird. It was just, I was just very self-conscious about being the only person in that office without a mask. And uh, yeah, what I... sucked afterwards was... I had gotten dropped off the DMV. I was like, okay, I'll take an Uber. I realized that Ubers still require masks. And so I had to cancel my Uber and I had to walk home. It was, it wasn't that bad. It was like a three and a half mile walk back to home, but 
Still I was like, huh? Forgot, forgot that I should probably just keep a mask just in case. That that's the interesting thing about the mask situation now. Is like I understand like you're it, it you know we're all in this together. We're trying to help each other, but there's definitely like a situation where you know you, you may not have one and everyone else does and like are they judging you should they be judging you you're vaccinated are they vaccinated you know what's common courtesy what's just you know situational like if you go to the grove out here like the mall like no one's wearing masks but you know you, you like i said i walked into largo yesterday hadn't masked my pocket fortunately but like everyone just instinctively brought their masks and put them on and no questions asked like it was just it's just interesting how it's like it's a social construct now versus a sort of truly medical thing like it's not a state issue thing as you point out it's not a health board issue thing it's just kind of like socially what's considered acceptable in these different scenarios and you're you were in a weird one where it was acceptable but it's just weird like that's kind of yeah, you're exactly. in like that gray area so it, it's very it's gonna be interesting over the next few years you know what mask use looks like but it seems like people are dropping it really quick yeah. i'm, I'm sure, sure the once... opposite oh sorry uh i'm sure like once covid is is out of the the vernacular, for lack of a better word, I'm sure masks aren't going to be a thing or a requirement. But mm-hmm. at least for another year, like having a having a mask, like you know, in your pocket, just in case, in case someplace does require it. Like I, I'm not going to be be an a hole and be like, what? But I'm vaccinated, and yeah. California is yeah. requiring it because it, it's 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 a no shirts, no shoes, no service kind of deal. Just add the the no mask on there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Just yeah. They they asked me to put on a mask. I'm gonna put on a mask. I'm not gonna be a Karen about it. Sorry, Karens that listen to this uh, <laughs> podcast. Did I tell you guys that the grocery store around the corner from my apartment um, is one of the ones that the anti-mask people used to go protest in during like the peak of COVID? Oh, I missed God. them by an hour once, and I was so glad I missed them. Like I went there like an hour before they got there, and I was like, like I saw it on the news. I'm just like, oh God, because I was in peak like I don't want to be around that mode because obviously COVID was at its peak um but yeah that was it was a common thing over here unfortunately happened two or three times and i have a security guard there yeah, were you gonna say oh uh, no i was gonna say that um i was at the natural history museum slash science center yesterday and they did like require a mask like, to enter they were very strict about it except when you're outside they were like literally like as soon as you like pass this line like you need to have your mask on but you know most of us carried our masks anyway but they thought it was I guess it's interesting because, like, you know, some places, like you guys were mentioning, like, actually, yeah, you're better off just having it because, you know, you never know which places are, like, straight up, like, enforcing it. Otherwise, you can't answer. And, yeah, like, like, I'm not going to we it. Yeah. Like Angel, when we were in, um, at that Japanese oh, yeah, gift shop. The little Japanese store. Yeah. yeah. They literally kicked someone out. That, like, no, no, no. Like, no yeah. masks. Yeah, like, they, like, someone tried to walk in. They, like, rushed the door and, like, you can't be here without a mask. It's really intense, actually. But, yeah, and then they glared at Jason. And then it's like, what? Oh, Why'd they glare at me? I was wearing a mask. I was a good, diligent customer. Actually, I didn't buy anything, so I guess I wasn't a quiet customer. But you were a window shopper. I was a peruser. Yeah, window shopper. Yeah, peruser. I like that word. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, a word or a thing that saw that angel that saw you don't like the universal. <laughs> oh, th- yeah. Uh, I guess that Transformers ride is technically canon. It's weird because it seems like it. I mean, they use this footage from the second movie, like, in its little sizzle reel before you get on the ride, where they're like, oh, we have a piece of the Allspark that Megatron wants, and Ravage, like, he stole it. Uh, you're going to jump on this Transformer named Evac, because, you know, you're riding an actual Transformer, which is, the concept is cool. They do it in some interesting ways. 
And you pretty much kill Megatron with the Allspark, just like in the first movie. So it's weird. So I don't know. It's yeah, like a so... little... Well, we'll call it a what if, like, you know, that like that one right, right. thing. I believe Michael Bay did direct that. Really? Did, yeah. Or he had some sort of involvement with it because it's what got him. I remember him saying, seeing that is what made me want to do the sequel or, or something along those lines. Or maybe it was the third movie. Anyways, I forced these guys to watch Transformers the last night, last week, after our recording of... Ran Nintendo. Yeah, and we did. Yes, you did. <laughs> That's the movie. <sighs> that it, it was, things it, happened it is a in two hour eyes. and 20 something minutes. Something two hours long and 50. 50 five zero. What? It's that long? Wasn't it nearly two? Wasn't it nearly three hours? Well, I mean, if you cut out it the It felt like, like six hours, if we're being honest. It it was an experience that happened. Yeah, Where do that, we start that, with this movie? Collective, yeah, trauma, collective trauma. Yeah, I think. I think. Angel summed it up the best where Angel, when, whenever I hear him talk about movies, uh, like what was that, that, uh, earwig, earwig getting the witch. Oh, the Ghibli one. I just, ended. yeah. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I think your reaction to that was like, Oh, it's fine. And usually I feel like that's your, your response to a lot of movies. And then this one, I think I heard you say, I don't remember the last time that I saw an outright bad movie. Yeah. It was, the pacing was... I mean, it's funny because, like, Earwig had pacing, but I was able to just, like... You know, I was able to enjoy the moment to moment. But this one just had, like... It just had me, like, asking questions. It had me, like, thinking, like, like that doesn't make sense for a Transformers movie. I don't know. Like, there was just... It was weird. It, we, it just felt all over the... We collectively confusing. lost the plot, like, four different times. So much happens in this movie that gets thrown away for two hours and then comes back. At, like at the very end, there's a time gun in this movie that gets shot in the middle of the movie, like an hour and 30 minutes in. And I remember thinking like, what happened to the time gun at the very end? They use it. I'm like, Oh, that's what happened to the time gun. I remember when they first showed the time gun, you were like, that's the only time we're going to see that. That's a weird throwaway. They didn't explain it, was... it. It made no sense. It just happened. And they're like, yeah, exactly. oh, okay. And then, <laughs> and then, yeah, it was the only time that we yeah, saw like, it up until the now. very <laughs> end. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think that movie was the, – the problem with Transformers and kind of with Michael Bay in general is he always needs to one-up himself. I mean every movie franchise, every sequel, they need to like kind of one-up themselves. And that's why, you know, every so often it's nice when – a studio that does a big thing does a little thing. Like I know eventually we're gonna talk about Luca with Pixar once Angel sees it, and maybe you, Kevin. But like, what was nice about that is like they didn't try and keep raising stakes. They're just like, you know what? What if we do like a small project? The problem with Transformers is they had to keep raising stakes because there's literally no other option. So like, someone at some point had probably an idea board that's like, all right, well, what if like Transformers were actually an ancient alien species that like fought with King Arthur? All right, that's one idea. What if they maybe fought the Nazis? All right, that's another idea. What if there's time travel? Sure, that's an idea. What if like the Earth is bad? Oh, I guess that could be an idea. And then instead the of Earth picking them, gone. yeah, exactly. And instead of picking any one idea, you know, like they had the idea board that you start with every writer's group with. Instead of picking them, they just took them all and shoved them in. Didn't matter if it worked. Didn't matter if it made sense. Didn't matter if character was only there for two minutes or gun was there for ten seconds. Anything they came up with had to be in there because they just had this to ne- make the stakes that high. So there's literally a scene where there are Transformers fighting Nazis for about, I don't know, 70 seconds. Yeah, they show up a, a whole elaborate Hitler. set <laughs> and get some. Yeah, exactly. And oh, yeah, and the, 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 the 
Transformers killed Hitler, right? But they had to make this whole elaborate set and get all these big Nazi symbols and put them all up for a 70-second scene just because someone pitched it in a writer's room and they're like, yeah, I guess. Like, that's what the whole movie felt like, you know? <laughs> it was just, like, these random ideas that they kind of strung together and then somehow got Anthony Hopkins to, like, explain. Dude, this. Anthony Hopkins <laughs> must have gotten paid so much money because here's a, like, I'm I'm sure he's won a bunch of Academy Awards for, oh, for his sure. part. He, he's a great actor. He's a he's a great actor. I don't know how much he must have gotten paid for this. And I, I'm going to assume that he had the time of his life because his character is all over the place from being, like, this mysterious uh, slash serious uh, guy to just well, let's uh, mute that 37 to 29 <laughs> to like just throwing around uh, S bombs and all sorts of profanity. There's a, uh, his little transformer assistant, uh, the Cogman. Butler. That was his yeah. name? the Butler. Yeah. yeah. Cogman. He's, he's also insane. He, it, it sounds like he's going to be, sort of like this guide or like, you know, just a kind of like the Alfred to, to Anthony Hopkins is uh Bruce Wayne. No, Cogman is also an asshole. Uh, just like Anthony Hopkins. The love interest is terrible. They like force the chemistry. Oh God. I forgot to even talk about, how could we talk about this movie without Marky Mark? Good old Marky he, Mark. And yeah, I killed off. Um, like in Wiki. Oh, they killed off Shiloh. Well, Shiloh. They killed off Shiloh off screen. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, implied, implied that he's dead off screen. Which is like but, some uh, weird. Yeah, that was weird. Um, but yeah, good yeah, old Marky we're... Mark, Cade Yeager, who sounds Kade like Yeager. a drink you get at a dive bar. Cade Yeager. Yeah, I'll take a Cade Yeager. That yeah, let me take Cade Yeager. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh... he's an inventor. Yeah, uh, he's a, he's an inventor, which which they had to bring up hundreds of times like they didn't bring that up hundreds of times in the last movie which i still haven't finished and i refuse to finish and that one's supposed to be better than this one i mean yeah the bar's really low kevin for anything to be better than this one like to be fair <laughs> so there's a scene where they they massacred well i mean this franchise has massacred a lot of transformers but the the one that hurts the most i think was hot rod which yeah. Hot Rod is a is a very yeah. important player in like OG Transformers. I don't I don't keep up with Transformers as much as I assume you do, Angel. I don't know if Hot Rod is still like uh like a main player. I I think they essentially replaced Bumblebee with Hot Rod, right? No, uh, they technically replaced Optimus with Hot Rod. No, no, Optimus... no, no. My, my bad. I I meant like they. Oh, in this like, movie, yeah. Like the way no, I mean just in general. Transformers media, Hot Rod was always sort of like the right hand man, and then the first movie came out, and Bumblebee became the the right hand man. Because I remember watching uh that Wait, cartoon on Fox Kids. Because typically, at least like the way I remember, like Hot Rod is always was always positioned just to be the new Prime, just to always replace Optimus. Well, what I'm saying is Hot Rod was an important, was way more important than Bumblebee, was he not? Well, yeah, I mean, Bumblebee's always just, like, a side person. He's never, I mean, the only time he was ever, like, the main character was, like, in one of the, the series that came after Transformers Prime where he was the leader, but there was no Hot Rod in that show. Gotcha, gotcha. But, like, what I'm saying is, like, originally, you know, Hot Rod did become Rodimus Prime, he 
in the mm-hmm. in the uh, movie. But then when the new movies came, well, when the first movie came out, it felt like Bumblebee became sort of the heart and soul of the series. Where I feel oh, like yeah. Hot Rod should have been that because I remember the cartoon on Fox Kids, uh, Robots in Disguise, before the Energon trilogy I think came out. Hot Rod was like one of the main characters alongside. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I yeah. don't know what it was all of a sudden that they're just like, I don't know, I guess they just picked Bumblebee. Maybe they just thought that was like the most marketable and that's just what they went with. Maybe the most iconic because he's yeah, a Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah. But and to, he wasn't even point, in like, the most ruined... of the movies except for the last one. But they oh god, Bumblebee. And, man, does he show up in the last movie? But he then it's like is... I don't know who these like references are for because like as a Transformers fan, it's like oh it's Hot Rod. Oh he's French for some reason and has a time gun. I don't know. Like it's like he's just kind of there. Like a lot of characters, a lot of like name drops are just there. They're like, there so they can make one... toys and sell them. That's it. They don't care if they pay homage to the fans. They know that. Six-year-old little Timmy, I mean, that's two shot like in a row, like defending, he's gonna go, like, "Oh my God, Hot Rod! I want that toy. He has a time gun." That's. I mean, way. but that's like what Transformers were supposed to be—just like giant commercials for kids. Yeah. But yeah. even then, like in the past, I mean, I guess it felt it felt like they were trying. Every once in a while, every once in a while, they definitely try. Like the Transformers Prime TV show, like that thing was awesome. They really tried on that one, even for the original '80s one. They sometimes tried, like to make things like make sense and. Like, I don't know. It was really great. I, this one just I feel like... like a, they're just like, all right, we checked it off. We name-dropped this guy. I guess we're good. I feel like it goes back to what I was saying before, that, like, their goal, they did try. They tried to make the bombastic, over-the-top, thing-you've-never-seen-Transformers do movie. And that meant it didn't matter about characters. That meant it didn't matter about plot. That meant it didn't matter about, like, they're going to introduce this girl that, like, Katie Yeager kind of adopts, and then she's going to vanish, and then show up and just kind of be there. For no reason, uh, like they did all that just because they needed to connect the dots for the set pieces. I really feel like that. Like the the mission in my mind, the mission of this movie wasn't to tell the story of like you know, Cade Yeager trying to save robot. Like the premise, Cade Yeager becoming you know, the last knight. Yeah, he, but like he, you know, the the he gets a sword at the end of the movie. Literally, yeah. And I feel like going into it, they had these ideas of like, okay, well, the robots in like an X Men way are kind of like outlaws now, and like. You know, the government's hunting them down, but there's Cade Yeager who's trying to rescue them and keep the peace. For the second really movie worth. in a row, they're being yeah. hunted down for the second movie in a row after, I, presumably, they saved the world in the last one. They're still being hunted down. Yeah. And as if these guys haven't been saving the world for the, however the time span of these movies is. And let's even let's even run with that. Let's say, okay, so they are doing that plot again. They kind of unceremoniously dropped it really quick and just like, oh, well, Cade's important. Never mind that he's saving him. He, he, we don't even need to show you those scenes. Really, he's important because he's this knight. So now let's do this knight thing. And then they just kind of like jumped around. And all of it was, again, in my opinion, just to make the set pieces happen. Because if you like look at the movie, like as you're, if you like look at it, like it's a series of like animated movie posters, the entire climax is all orange and blue, like a movie poster. It's all there were so framed, many like, like movie posters. Climaxes that were like, oh, the movie's going to end. Yeah, right there's here. like seven. Yeah. But the entire thing just felt like. They like Michael Bay was not the only way to one up the spectacle is to literally make it entirely about spectacle. So it was shot like it was these you know these cool stills that could promote it with. It was shot like it was a bunch of movie posters. It was it just oh felt my like god a the thing aspect that ratio. Existed. Oh right, me. yeah. The aspect yeah, ratio keeps changing every three seconds in this movie. There were there were some scenes of like Anthony Hopkins talking to somebody, and it was filmed in IMAX. Why did that have to get filmed in IMAX? 
it's and it wasn't Anthony even just Hopkins that. talking it, to some person. It'd be him facing them talking IMAX. They cut to the person responding, not IMAX. They cut back to yeah, him exactly. IMAX. And again, I think it's because they're just checking the boxes from Bombast, you know? So they're like, oh, it's going to be 80% IMAX this time, guys. What's that mean? Oh, well, every five seconds we're going to turn it back on or off. Like, it just the whole thing was built not as a movie to tell a story, which I feel like is kind of mean to the writers. But honestly, it felt like the movie was built as essentially the universal ride for three hours. Speaking of that, definitely have to mention that there was a point towards the end where there were, I guess, like in one of the ships or something. And it just straight up looked like something you would like the maze you would walk through, like in Universal Studios. It's like the timed pyrotechnic fires. Like it just looked incredibly <laughs> fake. Like yeah. it just looked like a set. Like it did a not lot look of this like, movie, yeah, it looked yeah a lot of this movie it was, looked like... incredibly fake, and which is weird because the first one, I think we all have sort of a soft spot for the first movie. I definitely oh, do, totally. Jason. I think you do too. I don't know how you feel about it, Angel. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> but that, I, I guess, yeah, that leads down to Michael Bay just wanting to one up himself because the first yeah. movie has its charm and never does it look fake, and the CGI in that movie holds up incredibly well. There were some yeah. CGI shots in this movie that are like, oof, that's incredibly rough, which is weird because this is a movie I'm assuming cost $500 million to make, but then all these sets look so fake. There was one that looked like it was straight out of Aliens. I think that might have been the one that Angel was talking about. The uh, the set with the with the robot yeah. knights or whatever those yeah. things were called. Yeah, where they're walking around the ship. Yeah. Oh, which they got there through a submarine that uh, gets activated when the lead actress touches it and they're in a submarine for what felt like 10 minutes it might have been five but that's still like four minutes too long 40 minutes or something yeah jesus christ dude this this movie does a lot of little things that just adds up to a lot of wasted time like yeah uh, about a minute and a half gets devoted to hot rod explaining his uh french accent why what why does it have comedy kevin it was Funny question mark. I, I think I yeah, laughed at like one or two things. Oh, there were Stanley a couple Tucci's lines in the movie at the beginning. Okay. Yeah, yeah, there are a couple. Stanley Tucci's lines. at the beginning of this movie as Merlin, which is weird. There were some lines that I know you said like, like, "Oh, that's a good line." Or I don't know if you were being facetious, but no, I there there were a couple of good lines on there. I don't remember what um, I like, what they were at this point. Like this isn't a threat; it's a something. Oh, it's not a threat because uh, it's it's not a threat because oh, what was it? A yeah, threat like a threat, you might not die a threat it may is you may die. This is you will die or something like that. I don't remember what mm. it was. I'm botching it, but there's something like that. We're all like, oh, okay, Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah, but oh my god, this movie's filled with with other weird lines like Marky Mark threatening to punch a kid in the face. Oh right yeah, at the beginning of the movie that happened. Yeah, nothing like a little child violence to really get the audiences going. And again, and again, that also felt like the kind of like they have to one up themselves. So these movies always have involved like a kid or teen element. This one didn't. So they like had a chase scene with a bunch of kids that just happened to trespass where the Transformers were. And the kids were all unceremoniously dropped right after that, except one who randomly sticks around and is in the ending but has no purpose. The one he like kind of adopts. But, like, you know, they did the kids at the beginning, like, the group of kids, because that's always what Transformers does, so they got to throw it in somewhere, but it really had no purpose. They could have yeah. introduced her, like, ten different ways. Man, this movie's garbage. Jesus Christ. It's something. I will say, though, to the point of it looking like movie posters, man, did they saturate some of those, uh, like, big oh, scenes Oh, yes. The, the color grading was so weird across the entire movie. 
it's I, like who uh, edited this was it like i'm 10 random people did they not have like a main editor like it i i, I like to make the comparison that uh they're better now and this isn't a shot at people that love samsung but remember when galaxy phones like you put like any other phone next to a galaxy phone and the colors on the galaxy were like 50 times brighter and more vibrant and like unnecessary like the greens look like it, they were like neon that's basically the entire last third of the movie like if you put like an iPhone next to any older Galaxy phone, that contrast is is completely the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's something. It you know if you think about it actually as a if you think about it as a ride like a Universal Studios ride like how Angel is describing and how you're talking about how Michael Bay like helped design that ride, this makes sense almost as a ride. Like if you're like this is some weird roller coaster. That you're on, except you're not told it's a ride. You're told it's a movie. <laughs> like it makes sense as a ride. Like the 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 drops, so to speak. Like you know the dips in the road course where things get really intense and fast. Like those are like super crazy and bombastic and long. And like it's exactly like the type of rush rush you want. That has like the slow build to do it again. It's just no one was told it was a ride. Everyone thought it'd be a movie. Like that. It has like the the plotting of like an eh ride. But it has all the like ups and downs of a ride. Like it kind, it kind of. I don't makes know. There's too much downtime to like make it into. Yeah, a ride. actually, that's true. I forgot about the middle. It all kind of blended. Yeah. The the Dinobots that were introduced in the last movie are uh, are are barely in this movie. Optimus Prime is barely in this movie. Optimus Prime is probably in ten minutes of this almost three hour long movie. Yeah. Ten minutes. Is there to be evil? So do, do you guys have hope for Beast Wars? It's a different director. It's based on a property that I personally have more affinity towards. Like Beast Wars was my jam. I watched it every morning before school when I was like in middle school and elementary school. But um, do you, given that's a different director, is there hope that maybe Beast Wars could actually turn out okay in the way that Bumblebee did? Or like where are your guys' expectations having seen what the franchise can spit out with last night? At this point, I'm interested to see what exactly this movie is because it's not necessarily a Beast Wars movie. Because, so what we know is that it's set in the 90s, and the beasts are the what are they called? The 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 optimals, no, no. the Predacons, the, and, the, uh, the Maximals, and the Predacons are going to be shown yeah. up. But it's also a Transformers movie. So that means, but in Optimus like a Prime. real way or like a loose and way that like it's well, a sequel to Bumblebee. So a, I don't, I'm sorry, well, it's a sequel to Bumblebee. Yeah, it's a sequel well, to Bumblebee. Oh, I thought it was independent. A um, an image came out from the set of that movie, and there was a chair that had Transformers Seven written on it. Yeah. So I don't know. They're oh, just counting boy. them all. Like, oh, this is like I guess after Dark. I mean, the last night or. Maybe they are just doing oh Bumblebee thing. as like Transformer Six. Oh, would that that's make it? Yeah, I guess that would be six. Yeah, Bumblebee. Yeah. Well, would you be know, a to be movie. fair, that could be because they don't have a name for it. Because it is a Transformers franchise. And no, I'm sure there, there's a tra- there's a movie. There is a name to it. It's called it Rise called? of the Beasts. Is it called Transformers: Rise of the Beasts? Yes, it's called Transformers: Rise of the Beasts. Oh no! Oh, I thought we called like Beast Wars, like no, no, no Gur no, or something. Like, so that's not. <laughs> it's a Transformers movies with Autobots, Decepticons. Predacons. Oh, that, that. I mean, oh, if you want a no. taste of what that might be like, you could just watch the oh, Netflix no. show Transformers Kingdom. Because that one also has a mix of Beast Wars people and the Autobots. Uh, the only Beast Wars I care about is the badly CG. Actually, honestly, the CG holds up. We watched some of it, Angel. I think you were there too, Kevin. The, the, the I don't CG know if it holds of Beast up. Wars, 
it it's not as bad as I expected. It holds better than like the Donkey Kong CG show from the nineties. It's not good, but it holds better. And the plot surprisingly holds decently. But yeah, if they don't have like New York Wise cracking rat trap or things like that, like or Cheetor who's like or whatever his name is, who's like those take place in New York, so you might kind of a jock. Like I yeah, like if they're if they're not there, it's not worth it. That's all I'm saying. So I mean, if they do have let's say rat trap, will he actually be the size of a rat and stay the tiny little transformer, or you know, like have him be normal size and can just shrink at will, or just be a giant rat? Will my real question that. is: Are they gonna go full Beast Wars, or are they, I guess if they're keeping it Transformers, they need to keep the aesthetic. Oh, no, it, looks, it looks like, like they're like, only handpicking certain like Beast Wars. Well, no, no, no. My my point sure. is like tra- Beast Wars; they turned into like straight up animals. Like then there was Transmetals, and my guess is if it's in the Transformers universe, it's gonna stay true to Transmetals, which means they're gonna look a little more like car meets animal. Like Rat Trap had wheels and Transmetals. If you remember things like that, What's like Rhinox, I think was it was like halfway through. I think it was called Transmetals, right? Like halfway through Beast Wars Run, they did like this riff on it, where um, basically they're like they were never fully animals. They were like half animal, half vehicle. So like Rat Trap had like wheels, like big back wheels. I think Rhinox was like a tank or something. They all were like Rhinox, shiny. R- R- Rhinox never transformed in the thing. Oh, well, never mind then. They, they might have given him a transmetal toy because some characters got some that never. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Are you talking about Beast Machines? No, 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 no. This is before, like, at the end of season one. This is before one, Beast Machine. Um, yeah, they they found a crystal or something and it did yeah, this like, like, thing to them. Essentially, something like explodes oh. and it sends out like a giant like wave of like energon that only hits some of the characters and they pretty much end up like evolving. So like they pretty Back much have like cars. When, so when they have like, <laughs> like they have, when yeah. they're in their Animal mode, yeah. Like Megatron suddenly has like jetpacks and roller skates, and Optimus Primal, who already had a jetpack, now it just has like a surfboard for some reason. Yeah, but but it's still the same show. Like it's, just, I mean, they even have like a Transmetals three at some point for some characters. But it was basically a way to you know they sold however many toys they're gonna sell for those characters. How do they sell them again? They they make augmented versions. So they were like the, androids in the show pretty well. Was actually. Yeah, no, it was – I was super into it at the time. I still can't believe I – so when I moved from Montana out here, I did not keep very many. I kept all my Pokemon stuff, but I got rid of most of my other toys, and I, it bothers me to this day that I did not keep a single Beast Wars Transformer. I had so many. I was so into it, and I didn't even think of keeping one. It, like, haunts me. Like, I just randomly think, man, I didn't keep a Beast Wars at, like, random times, like, unprompted. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like, it's, like, the one thing I regret when I moved because I really love that show. So I really hope they do it justice with the movie. And I'm definitely feeling well, like they're not going to after the last night. <laughs> new director, I'm assuming new creative creative team just in general. Yeah, it's I mean, a sequel Bumblebee, to Bumblebee, which which Bumblebee's a good movie. I like Bumblebee. Yeah, that's I, my. I really I'm holding like on Bumblebee. to that hope because of Bumblebee. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see. This movie's supposed to come out next year, or I think in 2023. Which, regard regardless, they're they can only go up, right? We think, we assume, we it hope. It can't be. We it pray. can't be worse. It can't be worse than this than this movie. Yeah, I'll, they'll find a way. Well, hopefully they don't the, find a way, but you know they could find a way. This movie is definitely in, in my my bottom ten movies that I've ever watched in my entire life for sure. And it's funny because another movie, it's not a reference to it, but it reminded me of it. Uh, Suicide Squad that 
when they introduce those four oh, yeah. Decepticons yeah. and they give them little title treatments. And, and it's like the worst for like a couple the... seconds. Oh yeah, and they all get murked like I mean, in their to first be fight. Odd, looking back at that, if you realize that he was like in the moment, like why are they doing like title cards? Why are they, you know, why why are they turning this into like a heist movie, like Ocean's Eleven or Suicide Squad? But then when you look back and they did that and then immediately killed them all off, that's actually not a bad gag. It's kind of an okay parody. It just doesn't make it feels unnecessary. Like half the movie, it's superfluous. But in and of itself, it's kind of like, oh, all right, I, that that's a joke. I, I see. And I never thought I would ever see a <laughs> repaint of a character in a movie. Like you expect it in toys, but like I oh, don't yeah. know. Oh yeah, who did they change from Red like to... Shockwave was straight up like just repainted and called someone else. Oh yeah, but... it was Shockwave. They changed it from red to blue, right? Maybe from purple to brown red. or whatever. Oh right. Which which like in a normal movie, like if you look at a Marvel movie, giving a character a new costume is fine because you still know what who they are from their face. But in Transformers, like everyone already looks kind of the same, <laughs> so like just changing the color doesn't really like that. Just is extremely confusing. Michael yeah. was probably like, yeah, they they all pretty much look the same. Yeah, just just use the Shockwave model. Uh, the Shockwave model is pretty cool. I must admit, uh, yeah. especially in Dark of the Moon, but. Yeah, they just and Michael Bay is known to reuse a lot of footage, but I didn't straight up think that he would ever straight up use a model that he's used before. And I'm sure if you ask him, he's like, "Oh no, 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 we tweaked it. Like his arm length is different, and he moves slightly different." But yeah, they definitely were recycling. It's definitely a little smaller too. I want to say Shockwave was actually a little bigger. We took the sizing tool and shrunk it down ten percent. It's a different robot. What are you talking about? Yeah. It's, a, it's something. Yeah, it's brown now, guys. A... What are you talking about? It's not shockwave. It's it's uh, waveform. Oh, right. that's, yeah, that's his brown name. Now? <laughs> what? He's brown now, or whatever color he may be. You know. And that, that's oh, probably brown his now. Name. Brown oh, now. Gotcha. Brown now is is that transformer's name? That Decepticon thing. <laughs> he, he's brown now. <laughs> brown now. Uh, I guess yeah. That's. I'm sorry that I made you guys watch that movie. I did. I did it's have okay. a good time though. Watching. That's the thing about because we're riffing cool. on it pretty. Oh yeah, pretty consistently. And that's the thing is like if you're with the right people or person and you're watching a movie that's bad, it can still be as fun or not more, even more fun maybe than watching a good movie because like you can like you said riff on it, we can razz on it, we can make cracks about it before or after. We talked about it for half an hour here. Clearly, we got something out of it, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Jason, you want to talk us? You want to talk to us? You want to talk to us about the Tomorrow about War? About Brownout? Yeah, I do. About Tomorrow War? Ha, tough. Yeah. yeah, yes. Okay, if we're talking about movies that are like paint by numbers or trying to achieve something, Tomorrow War uh, is a thousand percent that. So this is a movie that you can watch on Amazon Prime Video. It is currently, according to Amazon themselves, the number one streaming movie in America. I don't know what With metric is that. With a sequel on the way. The Tomorrow War, war the, the the day after Tomorrow War, um, but yeah, this movie is, it you know it, it it's interesting because it's not horrible for most of it. There are some interesting things in there. Some ideas aren't that bad. So basically, the premise is a war is happening in the future, about thirty years in the future. Is that right? Maybe somewhere, um, where there's these aliens that are attacking Earth and all the governments don't try and figure out why or how but all the governments are like oh yeah we gotta fight them together and form a coalition where it's an earth army who then um go back in time because they need enough bodies to 
help fight them. So they go back in time because they are able to make a wormhole and they're like, hey, people 30 years ago, come fight our war for us. Like, we need your help. We literally don't have enough people. And then all the people in 2022 are like, oh, hey, this seems legit. And then they form a world, like, coalition of armies. And then they start sending people with a worldwide draft into the future to go fight these aliens. That's the premise. In of itself, okay, maybe, I mean, sure, sci-fi does weird stuff. And for most of the movie, it's kind of following that. It follows Chris Pratt's character, a guy named Dan, who, uh, you know, is just like cliche, like, he just wants to save his daughter, and he's gonna go and do it, and da-da-da-da-da. But, um, yeah, and then you keep watching it, and then the third act happens, and things go a little weird. And then you're sitting there, noticing how there's like, a scene that's like ripping off Lord of the Rings when Gandalf's falling. There's a scene that's ripping off Alien where they're like in the ship. And there's a scene where that's ripping off like Independence Day. And there's all these things you're like, wow, this looks familiar. This feels familiar. And then like the plot beats start to like develop. And you're like, hey, wait a minute. This like this is a really contrived conversation about like being a bad father. Huh. And it's really early in the movie and there's no character development. And then you're like, hmm. There's this other weird scene where like these lines that Chris Pratt's saying like, oh, I'm not saving the world. I'm just saving my daughter. And there's like all this stuff. And you keep watching and things keep developing and they keep going to these weird set pieces and you're like oh they're in the arctic now oh they're over here now oh they're at this weird naval base now and you start to realize at some point that this is the closest i think we've ever come <laughs> to a movie that feels like it was written by an algorithm or artificial intelligence like everything about it cribs and borrows from other ideas and just sort of smushes them together. It's like, yeah, this is how movies work, right? Like, this is this is how you make a sci-fi movie. And like the, the like, you could argue some of the scenes are like tributes to other franchises. And sure, maybe that's the case. And obviously, someone really did write this. I'm not trying to disparage them too much, but this whole thing feels like if not written by an algorithm, Amazon with their vast network of information from Alexa's, from you know what people watch on Prime Video, from what people buy, they went through all that data and went, all right, here's how you build this movie. And it just feels so like people want this, they'll get this. People want this, they'll get this. That, that, that. The only thing that's missing is a sex scene, basically. Otherwise, it's like exactly everything you'd expect. And there's cool stuff within it. Like the, the aliens actually are kind of interesting design. They're called white spikes. They're kind of these like multi-tentacled almost like hunchback like four-legged creature things like and they you know they're they're actually well designed like the cg and it's not bad and they look pretty good but it's just like the whole movie is just it, it feels so like built by like like made by committee that the plot just doesn't hold up especially as you get into the last third there's a lot of plot holes there's a lot of oddities there's a lot of things they're doing where you're just like you know like you could have done it this other way and save like 30 minutes in the movie but, you know, they wanted to build a two-hour movie. So it's something. <laughs> like, it's when you're watching it, it's not horrible per se. But, it you know, there's some enjoyment to it because there is spectacle. Amazon poured a good amount of money in this or bought it from Paramount who poured a good amount of money in this or however they made it. But, like, it definitely, as you're watching it, it's just so many things are just like, wow, this is really, like, either shallow or such an obvious ripoff of something else or so, like, contrived or so just, like, they're just doing it because they seem to feel the need to do it. And yeah, that's probably the best way to describe it. So like it's not as bad. Like I think – because we were talking about Kevin uh, before it came out because I think your stadium had the premiere, right, at Bank of California? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think we were joking like, oh, it's generic the movie. And you know, all the trailers make it look so generic and the one-liners that Chris Pratt spouts off are so generic. And it is. It really is. But there's like – because they kind of 
built this with an algorithm. Uh, it, it, it kind of like they know what works. They know what's kind of enjoyable. They lean on that. It's just if you try and follow the plot, it's where things fall apart. It's very similar to Transformers in that regard. I would say it's kind of a, a tighter version of Transformers in terms of like Transformers meandered, plot points didn't make sense. This has a lot more cohesive plot in terms, in terms of, of just quality, moving it forward. Yeah. Which Transformers movie is it? Oh, I, I meant, uh, oh, oh god, oh no, oh, oh, uh, somewhere between the third and the fourth, maybe. So, like, it has some moments that are okay, and, like, I didn't okay. regret watching it, I was just like, alright, that, that's what they're gonna do, okay. And there's stuff that definitely, there's moments where it's like, this doesn't make sense, why does character do this, how does character survive this? There's one scene in particular I'm not even gonna go, it's a, it's kind of a spoiler, so I'm not gonna say, like, the actual outcome, but basically, is Chris Pratt and another character, and they're fighting one of the white spikes, and they're kind of like off away from the other characters. Like they left the other characters, they went somewhere else, and at the very end, they kind of like collapse and relax. And then that other character that was like far away just suddenly collapses next to them. You're like, where'd he come from? He wasn't in the scene. He hasn't been seen in like 10 minutes. Did he walk over there? Like they went very far. They were in a snowy tundra. How did he get there? But it's like, oh, well, they're all together. It's a happy ending. And that you're just like, oh, I guess so. It's like it's like stuff like that, kind of, where it's just like a lot of weird little. They just did it because the moment felt like the moment to have, regardless of how they can make that moment happen. If that makes sense. So, that's Tomorrow War in a vague way. There is, and also the plot is not very shocking or surprising either. Like I'm not gonna spoil anything. There's not really big twists though. Um, like exactly what you think will happen when they try and do something ends up being what happens, and it's just like oh okay. So it is very kind of paint by numbers, but. If you need a popcorn flick, like I definitely enjoyed eating popcorn while watching it, um, and it's so free they, if you have uh, Amazon. So, you know, they uh, did announce a sequel. Do they set that up? I have no or... idea what that sequel is going to be. Um, I actually no, I kind of do. They do sort of. There's some lore that they could explore further that they didn't. Uh, which again is kind of funny because the movie was so like by the book and so like oh obviously this is going to happen that then when they made a reference to like something that happens that could explain some things. I was like, all right, they're just going to leave that hanging? I guess they could because we all can assume what that means. But then now that you're telling me there's a sequel, yeah, I could see them. I could see a few ways it can go, and they would probably be just as kind of sort of contrived as the main plot. But, you know, it it you're not watching this movie for the story is why I think as I'm thinking about it, I've come to realize you're watching it for the crazy action sequences, the explosions, the alien chases. the You're watching it as a popcorn flick, so... If you go in with that expectation and you go in knowing it's paying homage in such direct ways to so many things as basically you know a, a jigsaw puzzle of other movies they put together, then y- y- there's some enjoyment to be had, I guess you could say. So gotcha, gotcha. that's my kind of brief Tomorrow War impressions. I, w- I honestly wasn't planning on watching it, but then a couple of our friends did. And then uh, weirdly enough, my, my girlfriend's grandfather was like, hey, Jason, you like sci-fi stuff? You'll probably like this. So I was like, all right, if these many people are casually watching it and one even likes it, I guess I should – see what the deal is so that's how i ended up watching generic the movie one of our friends called it uh, a ripoff of what was it edge of tomorrow edge of tomorrow a little i mean in concept i don't see that directly um because edge of tomorrow you know the premise is they enlist someone to help in a war that involves involves time travel right that's basically the gist of it um that level yes that's true beyond that like there's not really a time loop there's not really you know it it is it's not ferris bueller's day off with alien war but there is an alien war that involves time so sure there's a connection i can see that but again it's kind of like you know 
they just borrow ideas from other movies. So, oh, Edge of Tomorrow does Alien War with Time. Cool, let's do that. Uh, Independence Day does they take over everything and, like, blow up city. All right, let's do that. Uh, Alien, you know, they're on a ship and you can see them on a ship. Let's do that. Like, they, they you know, it's very sort of winks, not even winks and nods, just outright borrowing or stealing of stuff. I don't want to say stealing. That sounds harsh, but very heavy-handed homages. Huh. Yeah. Well, so, tomorrow movie. It's on Amazon Prime Video, if you guys, if that was glowing enough of an endorsement to, to watch it. <laughs> oh, and they, they're pushing the crap out of this movie, too. Maybe yes, that's they why are. it's the most watched movie or whatever. Also, they very strategically, to be fair, again, by algorithm, what movie is one of the biggest alien invasion movies that everyone loves watching? Independence Day. When do they watch it? July 4th weekend. So what does Amazon do? They take that data, flip it around, and Tomorrow War's out July 4th weekend. Like, it's all oh. very calculated. Like it's, well, I, I I don't think that this was originally meant for a uh, an Amazon release. Yeah, it may not have been. That's fair. I think I this mean, was Paramount one of the movies that got knocked into uh, Amazon release. Probably because yeah, Paramount Skydance did it, and they typically just put things in theaters. But even okay, even with that in mind, apparently the last third of the movie was changed. I don't know if it was changed at the Paramount end or by the Amazon end. It was apparently a lot more nihilistic is the word the director used when I saw some interview about it, and a lot darker. So that was changed. Um, who knows what else was changed, but the marketing around it has definitely been, like, Amazon definitely chose let's release it July 4th weekend. That was not, you know, that was all them. I mean, the fact that they even, they're still promoting it. They put it in the UFC match the other night, like, on the, from my understanding, it was, like, on the ring, like, the actual ads for it. But, um, I don't watch UFC. I just saw someone reference it. But, um, yeah, like, they're pushing it super hard, for sure. And they're using every data point they have. It's very much how Netflix, like, crafts their shows around their watch data like it's weird if you think about it that there's we've always had movies that are you know like of and shows that are like a creator's vision then we have ones that are kind of like for the money sort of and there's obviously a range in between it's like a spectrum but it's very interesting how netflix is now specifically making shows in specific ways to cater to their algorithm and then you got amazon who's specifically doing things in certain ways to cater to like everything's so data driven now it's it's interesting and you could argue it always was just there's such more there's such a bigger pile of data to sort through and sift through and gather that they're getting so like meticulous. Like literally when Netflix, from what I've read, when Netflix decides to have like a sex scene is based somewhat on viewer behavior patterns. So they know if you get this much into a show, if they do something that will like catch your attention like a sex scene, maybe you'll keep watching, which is insane to think about. Like they got it down to like the minute, but that's really how they do these things now. It's yeah, crazy. it's weird. I, yeah. I remember... The only reason that House of Cards was made was, or not the only reason, but Netflix, when they created House of Cards, Netflix was like, what do people love on Netflix? They love Kevin Spacey and David Fincher. Let's put them together. And that's yep. how House of Cards is essentially put together. Yeah. It's, it's, that it's, didn't turn I mean, out it's, well. <laughs> I love House of Cards. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, obviously, Kevin Spacey, there's many issues. But House of Cards as a show for the first couple of years was great. And honestly, even as it started to go downhill, I still – I was invested enough that it was really – I really enjoyed it. And then obviously the Spacey thing happened and, you know, it, as it should, it unfold – you know, they gave Robin Wright the lead and all that kind of – and then Never they saw. just didn't know what to do with it. And the last season was just – yeah, it ended really – last season was not good. Season four. Yeah, I mean even season four was going downhill. Like to be fair, it was going downhill before Spacey left but or was kicked out. But, uh, yeah, no, the first two years were, like, super quality. I love – or maybe even three. Maybe, really, the first year was the best. But, yeah, it was, I really enjoyed that show, mostly. And it all fell down like a 
House of Cards. Thank you. Thank you. Cool, cool. All right. So uh, we haven't chatted video games in a while, so I thought I'd bring uh, this up to the table. I recently played this uh, free-to-play indie game on Steam called Deepest Sword, and I don't think it's available on any other platforms aside the personal computer. So, which is weird because I think that this game would be a perfect uh, fit on the Switch. So, it is a 2D side-scroller with a pixel uh, art style, which is surprise, surprise. But uh, in it, you play <laughs> as this tiny knight with a sword that is as wide as the knight uh, themselves. And your mission is to go into this cave and slay the dragon at the end of the cave to save your cat. Which, Jason, this, this game might be for you. It so sounds the, like it. Yeah, so the layout of the platforms, the layout of the cave just in general is, is very simple. It's a very standard affair. It's it's even simpler than like World 1-2. Um, but the catch is that there is no jump button. So you only move left to right. But to, let's say, get on top of... Let's say you have the staircase that you have to traverse. What you do is you use the sword to traverse through all the cave by swinging it above your head and then uh, swinging it to the left or right uh, with the left or right click of your mouse. And so you're almost using it to like pull, like not pull, pull vault yourself to the left and right, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, you're you're using it as leverage essentially to get yourself. Yeah, essentially. Vertical. And like you're using yeah. the momentum to, to get you up higher, to get you across a gap. And huh. it seems pretty simple at first, but like when you get to the end of the cave, you find out that your sword isn't long enough, or in this case, deep enough, to like pierce through the dragon. So the dragon burns you to a crisp, and then you start at the beginning of the cave. Only this time, the blacksmith that's right outside of it makes your sword longer. But not only that, the cave has also become longer too, with like a new section added. So. Uh, this happens like multiple, multiple times. Uh, I wouldn't say multiple times. It's definitely a handful of times. But now with a longer sword, it makes traversal of some sections of the cave much easier. Or it even opens up like new paths. Like, like at the very beginning, uh, you have this platform that you can't reach. And after the uh, third run, you can reach it because of how long your sword is. So it's, it's a very, very, very short game. It took it really me. It does appeal to me if it's short. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It it took me like forty five minutes to complete, but I've seen speed runs where it can be completed in less than five minutes. The cave does get, and the reason that it took me so long is because the cave does get tricky and even a little frustrating as like you're trying to use the momentum of the sword to just get you across that gap that you just can't figure out how to get over. There's like some, it it it's a little. I, I wouldn't call it a puzzle game because it's definitely more of a physics-based platformer. But I don't know. I it's like I said, it took me forty-five minutes to complete. It's a nice, it's a nice small little indie game which I haven't played in forever. Like I haven't played something this small scale because, as I talk about on random Nintendo, I the scale of the games that I play just engulf my entire life. And by that, I strictly mean Genshin Impact, which still doesn't have a Switch <laughs> release date. But uh, they just announced a 2.0 update that I hope comes to Switch, and maybe they'll maybe my prediction of uh, the Traveler 
getting announced as the final Smash character will come true and piss off a lot of people. But oh uh, man, uh, yeah, yeah, that deepest, happens. People are gonna lose their minds. Yeah, but no, uh, Deepest Sword, fun, fun little game. If you have a if you have a PC, check it out. It's is it it's only nice. on PC it's, or is it on like the Mac Steam Store too? I think it can be played on. Uh, you know what? It might be on the Mac Steam Store. I'm I'm not too sure. This game is not. It's 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 a 2D pixel art game that's free to play. It's so right. Anything I'm sure can play this game. So I'm sure maybe your Mac could even play it. It, yeah, it it's does. Got a cute little art me. style. The music does can be a little grating just because it's the same track looping for an entire game. But like I said, it's a free to play indie game. So what more can you really expect? Mechanics wise, it kind of reminds me of. I had to look it up while you we were talking, actually. But uh, years ago, we checked out a game on the Switch uh, called Leichtbeer, which was like this kind of jousty. And yes, you have to put that German accent on it, but it's kind of like this jousty. Like you had a pole vaulty pole thing, and it was a side scroller. Toss javelin. To, yeah. Yeah. And it was, yeah, you like toss a javelin. So it's a little different because that one you actually throw the javelin and then move that way. This one you kind of leverage it. But it, I feel like there's so many like interesting mechanics and in games that aren't ever fully explored. Like, we had that four years ago. We now have this. Well, you know, and it's only 45 minutes, and that one's pretty short, too. Like, it's just, it's just interesting that, like, there's still so many creative things that can happen. And even that, even though this reminds me of that, there's still different mechanics, even though they're kind of the same game. Like, it's it's kind of cool. And this one's like, only 45 minutes because I'm an idiot, and that's how long it took me to, <laughs> to like, yeah, yeah. beat the game. So, But, yeah. And uh, that might actually do it for this episode, unless anybody else got something. Um. Nope. All right. No. That's it. That's it. time. Oh yeah. So, as always, let us know what you thought about the episode in the comment section on YouTube. We are RenNintendo.com. You are listening to us on some some uh, podcasting app of your choice or music. We assume app of your choice. That we could assume, be yeah in the rooms behind us crouching, and we just don't know. That could be right. Here do we have us. an RSS feed? Like we do. If you go RenNintendo.com, I wonder if anybody um, uses that. There is an RSS feed. Uh, I don't know, but if you guys want to use it out there, top right of the site, there's a little RSS icon. Go ahead and click that, and it'll take you right to the feed because that's yeah, how those work. Go. And I don't know why I had to explain it. We are random Ninten- at random Nintendo on Twitter. You can follow us individually. Jason is at JSR7. Angel is at W-E-I-R-O underscore O. And I am Kevin Gomi. And that... Oh, next week we will have... A brand new Ren Nintendo for you, where we talk about that uh, Switch OLED, which I'm sure Jason is going to have lots of things to say I'm about. I'm jumping at the bit about how wrong I was on so many things. He's definitely going to buy it. And that's why we say I... they're always wrong until proven right. Well, we'll get to it. We'll linger after that. Bloomberg be dumb. But yeah. That's what's so crazy is I don't know why Bloomberg was dumb. They're usually not dumb. They're usually smart, which is the well, opposite. They're of just they're just lucky. That's just what it is. Mm, Who know. was it that reported? Was it Schreier? Bloomberg. It was the dude from Bloomberg, um, who's yeah. been right about everything. Well, we'll talk about it in a week, but he has a very solid track record. Something went awry. Very solid track record of being lucky, but never. No, right. he no nope, no a hun- nope a hundred percent lucky. All right, we'll get into it. You waste your time if you listen to these people. <laughs> you literally Jason are indirectly saying you're wasting your time if you listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> no, and guys, we don't waste your time. Stuff. Your time is precious, and there's only so much time in the world. And we appreciate your time, is what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Don't waste your time with rumors. It's better to at least like you know have speculative, fun discussions about it, but not you know 
chomping at the Don't bit, be like, married oh, to it and attack happen. the company when they don't do the thing they never said they're going to do. Yeah. But exactly. we'll talk about that in a week. In the meantime. Wasn't expecting that from Angel, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Jason, take us out. Um, uh, RIP to a real one. Well, his show, Conan O'Brien, 28 years, no longer nightly. You'll be missed. Orange one. We'll be right back.